Okay, so our first reading, I think, is a really helpful reading for us in a number of ways because um, what, what do we see happening? Well, first we gotta, we gotta think about, okay, what, how do we typically think of God in the Old Testament? Or at least what's his, what's his reputation? Uh, maybe, maybe if we've never even read the Old Testament, we at least know that the reputation of God in the Old Testament is that he's angry and he's always looking to punish, right? That he's just a vengeful God. That's his reputation. And, and there are places, to be sure, that, like we shouldn't minimize that. There are places where he seems from our 21st century American ears and eyes, he seems to be harsh. But, but check this out. What, what did we hear in our first reading? The very first thing, right? So the Lord said to Moses to do what? To speak to the whole community, right? So Moses is, is the guy that, that the Lord is communicating with, and he wants to communicate with the whole people. Moses is the mediator here, right? So he's like, okay, this is my message for all of my people, the Israelites. Tell them, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. What's God doing? Ultimately, he's doing what we've been talking about with our gospel passages for the last several weeks, which is God, he has his chosen people, and he invites that chosen people to share in his life, to become like him. Right? God, who is all holy, he says, be holy because that's who I am. This, this I think, is just something like that's really worth reflecting on, that, that God calls his people to be like him. There's, there's a place in the book of Deuteronomy. So, so Leviticus is the third book of the Bible. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. And they all, the first five always go together. So in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, there's a passage that says, what great nation is there that has a God that is so close to the Lord our God is whenever we call upon him? Right, talking about these other nations that worship false gods, that worship images, whatever. And they're like, all these nations that worship these false gods, they're all worshiping gods that they say are distant, that they're just, you know, we just gotta, they're, they're distant from us. But the Lord, our God, he draws close to us whenever we call upon him. Moses is able to recognize this, and he calls the, the, the people to have attention to recognize this, that, that God, sometimes he gives commandments or sometimes he does things that seem harsh, but it's all at, like, at the service of his people becoming like him. That's an amazing thing that we're invited to do this, to be holy, to be, what is it to be holy? The, the word is kedosh. Kedosh is, oh, it means holiness, but, but what does that mean? It means to be set apart, to be separate from. This is who God is. God himself is totally set apart from us. He's totally separate from us. We can talk about how he has characteristics that are like us, but ultimately, even when we talk about those things, we have to understand that we're speaking about him in, an, in a human kind of way and that it's actually more unlike him than it is actually like him. God is completely separate. And he calls his people to be separate, to be holy. To be separate from what? To be separate from the world. This is, this is ultimately the reason for, if you ever read um, the book of Leviticus, or if you ever read the, the first five books of the Bible, you understand that there are lots of laws that seem really strange. The, the reason for those laws is so that God's people can be separate from the rest of the nations, so that they can be a holy people that is set apart for his purpose. This is the reason God gives us laws to follow so that we can be different from the people around us who don't worship the Lord God, right? So he, he invites them to be holy. He invites them to be like himself. So then what happens in our gospel, as we've been talking about, as we've been talking about for the last few weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, in our gospel passage, Jesus, who is God, he continues that call. 
He calls people to follow him as his disciples, and he calls them to become like him, to become like God. And and this is, our our passage today finishes, so this is the end of chapter 5, which Jesus, he didn't know that it was chapter 5, right? He's just preaching a sermon. It's, It's only later on that someone comes along and names them chapters and verses and all that stuff. But nonetheless, he's at the end of chapter 5, and what does he finish with? Be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And right before this, he's asking these questions. Look, if you just do what everyone else is doing, what's unusual about that? There's nothing unusual. To be holy, to be perfect, like God is perfect, like God is holy, is to be different. It's to be set apart. This, this word perfection, so, so I think, again, in our 21st century ears, we tend to think of being perfect as perfectionism, where, where we're just so focused on getting every little detail right that we can't be satisfied until it is. That's not exactly what Jesus is getting at here. The word perfection, or to be perfect, as he's talking about here, the word is teleos, which is, an, uh, to translate it, uh, maybe a different way is to say complete or end. What is the end goal? What is the end thing? So what Jesus is saying is, have the same completion as your father has completion. Have the same end goal for your life as the father, heavenly father, has for your life. Right, so have, to have this, this same end goal. So now we kind of have to ask ourselves a question. Well, a couple of questions, right, is, is one, what is the end goal of God the Father? Do you know what God the Father's end goal is for your life, for the lives of the people around you, the end goal that he has for the world? And once we know that, then the question is, do you have the same end goal, right? Because Jesus calls his, his disciples, the people who are following after him, who have given their lives to him, He says, be perfect. It's a command that he gives. And so we have to ask ourselves a question, right? Like, do I have the same end goal as the Heavenly Father for my life, for the lives of the people around me, and for the world? I have to answer that question. And then once I've answered it, then to me, there's another question, another couple of questions. Hopefully we would say, yes, we have the same end goal. But then my next question is, how do you know? How do you know what God the Father wants for you? How do you know what God the Father wants for the world, wants for the the people around you? How do you know what his end goal is? In other words, what's the source? Where do you get your information from? You've heard me mention this before. I know most people don't read the Bible. I know most people don't study what the church teaches, the church that Jesus himself established. And if that's the case, then then to me it's like, okay, well, where where do we get our information from about how we know what God wants for our lives? Because for us, we we say that those two things, the the doctrines of the church and and what's in the scripture, these are divinely revealed. But if, if we're not looking at those sources of information, ultimately those sources of what God's communicating to us, then where are we getting it from? And you've heard me mention this before. I'm, I'm aware of this, that, that I know that most people, most Christians, when push comes to shove, if it comes down to a disagreement that I have with what's in the Bible, I'm just going to let go of the Bible. If ultimately most people, if it comes down to, when push comes to shove, if I have a disagreement with something that I know the church teaches, I'll let go of the church teaching. Most people, 
if there's a political difference, right? If, if my politics, my personal politics, or my political party disagrees with something that the church teaches or that the Bible teaches, I'm going to choose to cling most often to what my political party wants, rather than to cling to what the Lord reveals through Scripture and through His church. This, this hopefully you can understand, like this, this is a big problem because what the world offers is, is not anything that can last into eternity. But, but God, who calls us to share in His blessed life, He's the only one that can offer us what leads into eternity. And my, my concern here is not, my, my concern is not that we're insincere, right? I, I don't think anyone is ever generally insincere. I mean, sometimes maybe we are, but, but I think in a general way, most people are pretty sincere about the things they believe, about the things they talk about. So that's not my concern. My concern is that too many people are consulting the wrong sources of information. Too many people are consult, consulting what, what, what Paul calls this age or this world. Listen to what he says, again, in our first reading. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you considers himself wise in this age, that is to say, in this place where we are living, in this world, if anyone considers himself wise in this age, let him become a fool so as to become wise. And then this is the, this is the kicker here. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. The wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. And so we have to ask ourselves a question, where, where am I seeking wisdom? Where am I seeking information? Where am I seeking to learn? If I'm not seeking God's wisdom, if I'm seeking just stuff that, that's here and now, or if I'm relying on my own feelings and my own intuitions and my own thoughts, then St. Paul says, I'm being foolish in the eyes of God. And hopefully you can understand that being foolish in the eyes of God is not a good thing. I said, this is, this is my concern. Let's listen to something else that, that Paul says. So the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy, uh, he says a couple of things I'm going to read here. So in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen to what Paul says. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. See this, Paul is saying that the, the time is coming when, when people might hear the, the truth being taught and preached, either in the scripture, in the doctrines, whatever, at the pulpit, and if they don't like it, they're just going to go find someone else who's going to teach them what they want to learn. And, and again, hopefully, like Paul is saying, like they're, they're, they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. I don't know if you know this, but I, I noticed this as a priest, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular necessarily, but, but I know that this is the case, that, that there are so many different teachers out there, teachers of Christianity, teachers even of Catholicism, teachers of, of, of whatever, Buddhism, like people will, if they don't get what they want, they're going to go find what they want so that they can just be assured that the thing that they want is at least taught by somebody. And what Paul is saying is that, no, 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 if, you, if we're not relying on the truth, of what's taught in scripture, of what's taught in the tradition, then we're wandering into myths, which hopefully, again, you can understand, is not going to lead us into eternal life. Another thing he says in, in, in chapter, so, so he says this before what I just read. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of stress, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, 
ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates, fierce, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of religion, but denying the power of it. And then he says, avoid such people. Does this sound familiar to you? Like, this is the world that we're living in right now. And if I'm honest with myself, there are some days where I have to recognize I can fit into this category pretty easily. Right? And Paul is saying, avoid such people. So again, this, this, this gets back to this question of like, what, what sources are we looking for to find out whether we're being perfect as God is perfect, whether we're being holy as God is holy? If we're just consulting things of this age and things of this world, if we're just relying on our own feelings and our own intuitions, then how can we lean on that? Because what happens if your feelings and your intuitions are different than my feelings and my intuitions? Or what happens if your feelings and intuitions are different than what's found in the scriptures? Ultimately, brothers and sisters, we have to, we have to lean into the Lord. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we just like blindly obey whatever, like that we don't, we don't ever put up a fight or we don't ever ask questions. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is when you have a disagreement with something that the church teaches or something that's found in the scriptures, that you let yourself be a true disciple, which is to say that you let yourself be somebody who learns from one who is superior to you, who is Jesus himself. Which ultimately means that, yes, if you have a disagreement, you yield to Jesus. And you let yourself set aside your preferences. You let yourself set aside your political beliefs. You let yourself set aside your personal feelings and intuitions. Not to discount them as though they're not important, but to say that these things can't lead me into eternity. But, if, but instead, if I rely only on them, they're going to lead me straight to hell rather than to heaven. And I want to rely on the one who's only and always going to lead me into heaven. So I need to rely on God. But this, this ultimately, this will be the last thing. This gets to a bigger issue, which is that most people just don't know God. And because they don't know God in his truth, in his reality, they don't really know if they can trust him. They don't really know if God is trustworthy. Part of that is because you, maybe some people have forgotten, but I also know that a big part of it is because most people have never really been taught who God is and what he's done in the person of his son, Jesus. And this is something, you guys, that this is the reason that starting on Wednesday and for the next 14 Sundays, I'm going to be preaching this series that gets down to the absolute basics of what we believe God has done in the person of Jesus that gets to the basics of the story that tells who God is and what he's done for the world, what he's done for you and for me. And this is something I'm super excited about because, because I know that most people have either forgotten or just have never been told the story. And it's something that for me has made Jesus come alive in a new way. It's something that for me has revealed beyond what I could possibly imagine how trustworthy God the Father is. It's something that for me has led me to surrender myself entirely to him, even if I disagree, even if I don't understand, even if I have difficulties with things, I surrender to him because I trust and I believe 
that he can in fact lead me to heaven, that he will lead me to heaven, and that no one else can.